Hello and welcome to Touchline. From myself, Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hi Kas, nice being back. Nice having Donald and Gwenya back in studio. Looking forward to another great show on Touchline. Definitely. Um, we've got Donald and Gwenya again with us tonight. Uh, Donald's in charge of coach, coaches education at the Sharks and he's also the head coach of the UKZN Varsity Shield team. Hello Donald. Hi Gas. Hi Mark. We, we're looking at the position of wing tonight, number 11 and number 14. Donald, the responsibility of a wing in the game of rugby, how would you describe that? Well, people call them the finishers, don't they? So that's basically what you want from your wing. You want speed, acceleration, evasive running. Um, they're the guys who score basically the tries for you. Yeah, I think part of that... Um Donald's 100% correct in that. So depending on on your game plan and so on and so forth, I think your your, your finishes are out, are out wide. Um, but I think, Don, other than that, I mean, that's just in a nutshell. I think there are many other attributes that one is looking at, more so the difference between your 11 and your 14. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, um, they, they bring different skill sets. Um, with your with your left wing, you, you're looking at a guy who's who probably can also play fullback for you, um, and who, who, who kicks very well with his left foot. So he becomes an option on the left hand side of the field. And um, your your right wing will be the, the, your your on the on the right hand side who who finish off um, the opportunities that you create on 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 that other side of the field. Um, you also want them to be good um, chasers because if you're playing the kind of kicking game that we see the Springboks yes. normally do, you want guys who chase those kicks and, and, and make those contestable kicks uh, so you can get patches out of those kicks by um, catching you know the opposition uh, before they do anything. So, so sorry, Cass, uh, would you then say, obviously looking at world rugby, the way things have changed with the, with the wingers chasing the up and unders, like they used to say in the old day, Gary Owens. Um, obviously, they have to be quite good in, in the air as well. Aerial skills become very, very crucial, yes. Um, not only on chasing, but remember also on receiving because they'll get bombs kicked on them as well. So you want um, you want their aerial skills to be quite up there as well. And ideally with that, obviously, as a coach, you would teach them to get their position right, taking the ball up in the air and the feet off the ground so that they can't get tackled. Yeah, that's that's one thing that you 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 practice as a work on um, what they call individual skills after training. You you all you you'll see maybe your scrum of box boxes and your and your wings they they feel those kicks. So that's how they work on 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 that skill. If we bring physical attributes into this now, um, would you do with the wing? What most coaches do with their with their number sixes and number sevens, that you would play one on the on the blind side more often than the other one, and and keep one on the on the open side. You were talking about left and right wing now. Would you change them for one to protect your your blind side and the other one to run on your open side? I, th I think with the modern game, um, it's it really doesn't matter anymore. Um, you're looking for guys who, who who've got work rate. So those days of the wing waiting on his side and waiting for the ball to come to him, um, those days are over. 
So you, you want a wing that's, that keeps working. You'll be either working inside the forwards, looking for an inside pass, or you could run a decoy line there to hold defenders so that they don't drift across. And sometimes you find them really um, supporting the other wing on the other side. You, you know, when he is, he, is, he is in space and then he, he goes around him and he gets the ball and he actually scores on the, on the opposite side of his wing. So it's the work rate that's more important now. So they interplay um, as it is in the modern game. So you alluded a little earlier on to say that your left wing, um, in, in South African terms, that you're number 11, is more, I won't say more, but you can utilise him as a fullback. Why would you pinpoint the 11 winger and not a 14 for that? Or was is that just by virtue of speech? Um, should they both be equipped to play 15 as such? Or is it technically, is your 11 wing technically sound to be a 15? I, I don't, it's a much of a match, um, I, I think both should be, should be kept. You know, they should have the ability to play at 15 if you, if you need them to. Um, it's with the modern game really po positional play has changed so much. There's, you, you remember, um, um, if you look at uh, Gus just mentioned your your loose forwards, everybody's a fetcher these days. It doesn't matter which position, <laughs> position is the same as much as as in the backs. Uh, so there's not much of a, a specific role that you. This is your role. Players that are able to. You know, we've got the whole package. You can do, you know, basically everything. Uh, quite a benefit in your in your side. Just uh, another thing is in the in the olden days, um, has this changed quite a bit already? Um, in the olden days, if you played on the left wing, or let's rephrase that, depending on with which band you carry the ball, your coach would then put you either on the left wing or the right wing. So when I say that, if you carry the ball in your right hand. Obviously, your coach will push you onto On the, the right, right wing this, yeah. so that you can fend with your left yeah, hand and vice true. versa. Mm. So is that still much of a talking point? I think the, the players nowadays are multi-skilled to be able to do on either side. They can catch with the left or right. That's what you, that's what you train them and that's what you, you prepare them. They'll be able to fend either with the left or right and be able to kick with the left or right, you know, so... It's, it's something that uh, in the modern game, that's why I'm saying they have to be multi-skilled. Because you still see it nowadays, though. You see some wingers, well, sometimes it's not only a winger, a centre might run down the wing channel um, and he's on the left wing carrying yeah. the ball in his right yeah. hand True. and he gets tackled into touch and solely because the ball's in the wrong hand. And then the commentators mm. will say he carried the ball yeah, in his right, right hand yeah. instead of his left hand. Mm. So obviously, depending on the level, um, you should, as a coach, be f focusing on those specific aspects as well because in a game, that could be that split second that that specific tactic could cost you a game. Definitely. Yeah, you, they, they need to understand on where they are, on which side of the field they are and, and how to handle the ball. You're talking about uh, being pushed out. They kill, the ball can actually be ripped off him, off him as well if he's got it in the wrong end. So he needs to understand where the defence is coming in. And we always say get the ball away from the defender to keep it safe. So if you have two wingers that are similar, um, and that is a problem, would you, and let's say it's Gus and myself, 
eventful, but but let's let's cast for myself. <laughs> Thanks, um, Mark. We'd probably be the two slowest wings that you'd ever be coaching in your life. But um, and and one of us, let's say myself, I'm a left wing, and he's a right wing. But you see me carrying the ball in my right hand, and cast more often than not carrying the ball in his left hand. Would you think because of that? technical skill swap us automatically because Definitely. the roles are similar. Yeah. It's just creating yes. extras. I'll put you where, where you'll be comfortable. More comfortable. That will benefit the team, yeah. I'd obviously be quicker than Cus. So <laughs> but at least we'll <laughs> score more tries on the left wing. <laughs> then, talking about the two wingers linking up with a, with a fullback, the commentators talk a lot about the back three. What are they actually talking about when they talk about the back three? What do they mean by talking about the back three? Well, it, it works in, um, in attack and defence, okay? So they need to, to have that understanding. Uh, let me speak about the defence first, because um, that's where you, you, you'll see it more often. They call it the pendulum um, yes. system. So basically they pull each other. So if play is going to, let's say, to the right, to the right hand side, to the to the right wing. So he has to come up in the line in defense. So that means he pulls the fullback to cover him behind him. Yes. That will pull the left wing um, to, to cover the, the to space cover the where fullback. the fullback where he yes. was in the middle of the park to cover those kicks that are that can be, you know, the other yes. team can look for that space. So that so you, you get that pendulum. So then if the if then the attack shifts the they attack to the other side, then they they go the other way. So that's why that's where you yes. get that pendulum system, okay. And in terms of attack, um, so if they kick to that guy, um, they say to the right to the right wing, you want the, full, the 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 left wing and the fullback dropping back to help him, so you can look, you know, if there's an opportunity to counter attack, then you can you're able to do it. So just to go back on the defence, Don. Um, just for the listeners out there, when we when we saying the pendulum shifts, who makes that call? The fifteen. He calls. Let's say let's say players on the right hand side of the field. So what we're saying is your right wing pushes up to be in a be in a flat line, if one can call it that, with a back line, and your left wing then has to fall back basically, and your your full back then takes the space behind fourteen. Yes. Um, and then obviously when it goes to the left-hand side, again, your left wing goes up, closes the space, your right wing drops back, and your 15 shifts to the left. Yes. So yeah. so in the game, um, obviously 14 and 11 will be focusing on their space or their areas. Would 15 call that more often than not to tell your wingers where we are at and where they need to shift, like in the olden days? Yeah, so he you do a lot of talking. Uh, obviously, he will see that 14 is going up and then he will be calling 11 as he's moving to close that space. So he calls 11 to cover him in where he was and vice versa when he goes he goes the other way. But if you if you look at the modern defense now, Marcus changes, you know, they, they call it a 13-2 split. So they actually have both wings up now and they will have two guys at the back, whether it's a 10 or a 15 or um, like Ireland will use the 15 and the 9, you know, at the back. So they just leave two guys. And and they keep 13 guys in the front line of defense because that, that works for their line speed so that they can stop the attack from getting into the into those wide channels. 
you know, so that 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 pendulum thing sort of falls off. That that only happens between those two guys at the back. Now they yes. the ones that work the fifteen and, and whoever is got whether it's the ten or it's the nine or whatever the team uses. The difference between a number eleven and a number fourteen, if you think about physical um, attributes, and then the difference between the two two players. You mentioned that in the modern game. Not much, but still, there there is a difference. Um, I, I, I don't. It, well, physical attributes. I wouldn't say really. You that you could have either a big wing. Um, let's give an example: Julian Savia, or what's that lamb guy who used to play for the Hurricanes? I forget what his name is. Yeah, his, his first name is quite a big wing who, who uses raw power and. And 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 is abrasive and you and you score tries in close quarters and then you look at the Chelsea and Colby for example. So they yes. bring a different um, skill set in into your game. Um, you what what I think is what's very important for a wing is is speed. That raw speed is very important. Whether you big you slow you big or you small, that 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 becomes very. And we're not talking about top end speed. Because the wing will never, hardly, let me say, would hardly run more than 40 meters. So you want acceleration. So you want a guy who can take off. His first 20, 30, 40 meters is, is quite quick. So he can be defenders around that. That's what you want. Um, whether it's big or it's small. Okay, so a big guy will be more direct. Um, cause um, he will, he will, he will run over people, you know, yes. like on a one and one situation, which you find in the outside channels. You remember John Alom yes. uh, running over <laughs> my, my cat, cat. My yeah, cat. Yes. things like yeah. So you, a guy like yeah, that, he you do something like that, and then you get a Chelsea Kobe, You've seen what damage it does on the on the wing one on one with the with the, with the other wing. He will use his evasive skills and to beat the defender and get, and get around him. So either way. It works. It depends on what you, what you, the way you want to play and, and I how you want you. to use them. Okay, I'm hundred percent. I think I think the modern the modern game has changed uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, I don't think size really matters. Um, there was this question mark over Chesney Kobe, not even two years ago, um, and he has taken the world by storm. I mean, he week in and week out, you can go and Google it. You'll see how much they talk about him, the damage that he's doing in France. Um, but I, I think it's, it's it's a coach's choice as to how he wants to play. In the olden days, your bigger, stronger, more robust winger used to be your 14. 14, yeah. Um, yes. Because they used to use him to take the ball up, whereas your left wing was slighter of physique, if one can call it mm. that, and probably quicker. Um, so those things have changed. But, I mean, you can look worldwide. Um, the wingers all look the same as any of the other backline yeah. players. But I agree, they have to have raw pace. And I think part of their responsibility is to read a game as well. They need to know when to come in, when to take the outside channel. And what you also need, the defensive lines have changed so much over the years. It's, it's more difficult to cross the advantage line. But these guys are your finishers, as Donald spoke about earlier on. Um, and ideally, he has to have quick feet and so forth so that he can try and beat his opposite, opposite number on the outside because the defenders are normally on the inside. So Makazola Mapimpi is a prime example. And, and I mean, fair enough, he's a big guy. 
But I mean, he's a finisher of note, and you only need to give him little space. He needs space, though. Whereas a Cheslin Golby will create his own space yes. because yes. of his footwork yeah. and what. So I think they they bring different things to the to the game, um, but I think it's changed nowadays. Mm. Uh, I don't think there's, you know, the, the 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 game has changed so much that your that your wingers have to be powerful in any case. Thank you. Um, I think South Africa has has used the smaller wings to to a lot of success in the past. If you think about the Brian Abanas, that wasn't a, a very big man, although he was very quick. The Brayton Pulses, and then the Brent Russells of, of late that was also used at wing. Um, weren't big guys, but they but they were very successful. Yeah, I think it's a skill mm. level in that. I think, I think, you know, South Africa have always been known as the brute force, especially with our forwards and that. Yes. Um, but I think we've developed over the years. Um, our skill levels have picked up. And New Zealand is probably um, the team that one can look at from 1 to 15. They've all got skills. I mean, some of their props run in yes. centre channels. They offload and they step just like the backline players do. But I think it's changed over the years. I think our, our players have become more skillful. I think our, our wingers specifically that we're referring to now, they can go in and out past you. I mean, you look at Nkosi for argument's sake. He's yes. small by, by stature. Except if you stand next to him, then you see he's quite a big guy. But if yes, you mm. if you compare him to anyone else out there, then he's actually quite small. But that's not what it's about anymore. I mean, nowadays your your midfield and your gameplay manipulate yes. play so much that you can create space on the outside for these guys to go. And as I say, Cheslin Colby, um, he doesn't really. It's nice to give him space because he's quick enough as well, but yes. you don't need, really need to give him space because he will create his own space. And all he has to do, even if he doesn't beat the defender, is just suck two or three in and players will loop around, follow up. And that's what Donald spoke about earlier on as well, to say your work rate of your wingers have changed over the years where you now follow automatically and link up because that's part of your game plan. If you, if, if you saw the try that Aaron Smith scored this weekend... With George Bridge, off that off that mall, and um, you know George Bridge coming off the off the hooker, you know it was a dummy mall actually. I so and they loop around and then they play George Bridge. He breaks the line, and they link up and then Aaron Smith gets in and, and and he scores. So the wing, the whether you left or right, the, it, it, your role has become more important in in the attack, in adding that extra extra player. You've seen in World Rugby how many guys, the wingers now, score out of position. So left wing scores in the right corner yes. and vice versa. Yes. And that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about yeah. now because they know, and that's something that you that you train on, on the training field as well, that you need them to follow up. I mean, some of it is, is part of your moves that, that the coaches create. They want the wingers to go because obviously if you follow up, you automatically create an overlap just yes. by virtue of being there. So um, that's why you find so many wings scoring on the opposite corner. And and you get a lot of wings now playing off the 10 as well, coming through that channel between 10 and 12. But you see, in the, in the olden days, um, they used to use your 14 wing now, and technically solely from a crash ball perspective. Now it's different because they're creating space and yes. there's more footwork and, sorry to say it like this, but better skill sets compared to... Even five years ago, things have changed so much. Yes. Thank you. Then we can move on to our Vodacom Super Rugby Unlock Round 1. 
saw the South Sea sharks against the Emirates Lions. Sharks go up 19-16, winning that game. The Toyota Cheetahs, 53-31 against the Pakisa Pumas. And then the Varukom Bulls, 30-23 against Tafelaga Grikwas. Mark, your thoughts on these games? Well, it's still early season, though. Um, I think there's a, there's a few teams that are surprised a little bit this weekend. Um, I think there's, and we'll get into specifics now, but I think there's a few teams as well that were brought down to earth a little bit, if I may, may say it like that, and, and there I'm referring to the Bulls. Um, the Bulls gave the Sharks a good running around in the, in the fan Supersport weekend. I think it was about two or three weeks ago. And, and sometimes, we see that in club rugby as well, sometimes that gets the better of you. I think probably because they played the Pumas and they thought, you know, that we're playing the Sharks, um, we, we, in theory, gave the Sharks a hiding when we played against them. Now it's the first round we're playing, um, you know, Griquas. Um, it might be a different story. Um, Griquas has always been a side, whether they play away from home or not, just like the French. Definitely. You know, when they pitch on the day, they can play. And, and I think, um, look, it's still early days and, and they did what they had to do. They're going to carry, carry yes. their points with them. Um, but it was a completely different game to the one they played against us. And I think Rikwas actually played well. They, they brought the game to them. Rikwas definitely played well. Yeah, they, 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 they were in the contest for quite some time. But I think um, the Bulls sort of deviated from the game that they played, played against, against us, the Sharks. Yes, yeah. And I also think um, they missed Dwayne Vermeulen there. They definitely yeah, did, yes. he's uh, he, he, he makes a big deal in terms of leadership, mm. and um, he would have brought them together and said, "Guys, listen, we're deviating from the plan here. We just yes. need to be more direct and, you know, gain line, and you, we just carry on that way." And and I think that's what lacked in in their game, and and that's why Krikwa stayed in the contest. But it's funny you say that, and I agree with you. Uh, uh, experience says a lot at the end of the day, especially when the chips are down and you need to stand up. But it, it begs a question then, because Jake White brought all these experienced guys. That was a very experienced side that played on, on, on Saturday. Yes, Dwayne wasn't there, and he's the enforcer old and, and the skipper and, and whatever. Um, but you would still expect more of the Bulls than what they performed. Definitely, yeah. Um, but like you said, Mark, uh, <laughs> Crick was... They always they, they they always give a show. They they're not a team that just lies down for for anyone. We saw last year. I think they beat the Sharks here. Yeah, yeah. And they've and and even before they've always been a thorn in the Sharks' side when the Sharks went to Kimberley. <laughs> you know, so they they are a team that 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 when on the day when they when I remember the one uh, the one game they they actually beat Western Province as well. Yeah, so. They're a team that when they decide to play, they, they can really bring it, you know. Uh, so you, you cannot underestimate them. A fact. And I think a, a team that actually did very well, and we, we alluded to this last week when we spoke about the Pro 14, the Cheetahs being kicked out of the Pro 14. Yes. Um, I still said last week that these guys are going to come out and try and prove a point, and, and how well did they not play? Surely. Definitely played very, very well. And just keeping themselves in the game because the Pumas didn't just hand it to them. 
They, yeah, had, look, to, they the, had to work for it. The Pumas in general are a very good side. I mean, Jimmy Stonehouse has been the head coach yes. there for, for many years. I mean, he was he was um, always looked at, at possibly going further than coaching the Pumas yes. and that. So, I mean, the coaching, coaching sessions wouldn't have changed or things like that. It's just what happened. And I think the Cheetahs outplayed the Pumas in the beginning. But, I mean, the Pumas came back nicely. Um, they did later on as well, you know, and they themselves have got quite a good couple of players. But I mean, uh, if you, who wants to be a coach, Donald? Yeah. If you look at Jimmy Stonehouse when he was sitting <laughs> yeah. up there, going, "What's going on?" You know, it, we've all been there. Um, yes. And I think for them, being the first game of of Super Rugby, uh, and obviously for them playing in the Super Rugby for the first time, yes, it's watered down. It was not the same as when, when New Zealand and Australia play as well as only South African. But they too obviously wanted to prove a point and so we deserve to be here. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I thought they were outstanding in that first half. In first half, they were they were clinical. They they created space. Their wide to wide game was was exceptional. They opened that Puma's defense like it was non existent. I think the what was the score? Forty one forty one I think it was 41 points at halftime. It mm. was like a, a point, point per a minute. minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you if you think about it, that's that's how clinical they were. And um, obviously, if you consider obviously the experience of Ruan Pina and Francois Stein in that back line, because that back line was on fire. It was really on fire. Definitely. It was it created space. And and those two guys are crucial. You see how much of quick ball they were getting and the decisions that Franz Stein was making in that midfield there, whether he was carrying, whether he was putting those kicks through and his distribution to the, to those fast uh, outside backs. That's what tore that team totally apart. Yeah, definitely. Also the way he walked up and down that line. He kept on walking up and down and speaking to everybody. After every move, after every ruck um, or mall, he, he just kept on speaking to the guys. But this goes to show, if we go, can go back to the Bulls game, Jake White brought back many seasoned players to come and play for the for the Bulls this year and, and hopefully next year. Then you look at a team like the Cheetahs. Look, they've always been a team well-known for running rugby and enthusiasm. I mean, the Sharks, they're one of the Sharks. Nemesis died in any case. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're to, talking two players specifically in Ruan Pinar and Franz Stein in a young Cheetah side that basically controlled them kept them cool, calm and collective, made sure they play the right spaces, the right areas. Um, and you compare that to the Bulls that had more experience than, than the Cheetahs, and yet the games were different. Um, could it possibly be then, Don, that, and we spoke about this, not to read too much into the preseason games. And if you look at, I don't know if it was by default or it's, that's the way it happened, the Bulls didn't play the same game plan that they played against us in the, in the Superfan Obviously, it was more running rugby, less structure, a lot of structure, but less structure than they had. Is that not possibly what could have cost the Bulls to play at that level that we thought they would? Yeah, that's what I I, I, I thought as well. I thought they deviated a bit. Um, I mean, their pack is massive. You know, they used it very well against the Sharks in that uh, super fun day. You know, they used that pack to... To, to you know to to get front football and then Monistain put put in the right kicks in the right places and getting those forwards going forward all the time and when they brought those backs with speed into the game it it it, it was difficult to 
to defend against. And I thought this past weekend, we didn't see much of that grant, except I think it was only Marco Van Staden who, who tried it a couple of times. I didn't see the locks carrying as, as much as they did, you know, against the Sharks and, and even the props, the way they carried against the Sharks. They, it was, they were trying to play this passing game or, you know, offloading game. Quite a, and that's why there were a bit of errors, as you saw, you know, because they tried to throw the ball around, which is not what they actually did in that first in that uh, warm-up game. And then the game between the Sharks and the and the Lions that could have gone anyway at any time. Well, you wouldn't say that when the game started. I mean, it was all Sharks. It was all Sharks. Um, but then and then obviously Werner Koch scored his first try for us quickly, and I think it was the first five minutes. Um, and then. Now, I don't know what happened as a coach. Um, I know Sean Everett would have had a few words to say half-time. Ultimately, and I'm not saying we played poorly, um, we didn't play as well as we did in the first few minutes, put it that way. Ultimately, as a coach, um, even if you don't play well, you still come away with a victory and points on the log. Um, you'd still take that, though, Don. Definitely. Yeah, to yeah, Jack White said the other day, um, they won ugly, so you gotta take those wins. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you win, even if you win ugly, yeah, I think it was a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a positive thing for for them going forward. Considering if we look at that warm up game, what happened, and then obviously this win against them, they can all, they can, it's a positive to build on from now, and um, obviously with the other players that will be coming back into the side, I think. Swunkosi might be due to come back, or Matosh Tambo as well. Mm. They should be coming back. They will, they will bring super rugby experience in in that back line as well. Um, and, I, I mean, um, James Fenter was there this weekend. He, it also helped that he was there. Um, yeah, and obviously the Lions is not a team that you, you can walk over either. They've got some decent players and, and, and I mean, how was that kick from El Tenyankis to, to Lango? And yet again, and that's experience and yeah, switched exactly. on at the right time and not yeah. switching off. Exactly. And communication. Yeah, you see, so you it's not a team that you can say you guaranteed a win. It's always be a close contest, you know, so... Just happy that the Sharks got through. No, no, hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and more so in the first game. You know, if if you think about it, um, you obviously can't take the green and gold game into into account, where the Sharks and Lions and everyone played in their in their own way. But our last game was against the Bulls preseason, and they outplayed us basically in all facets of the game. So to come back from there, you you had to basically win, even though it's ugly. You had to win to set yourself up for the rest of the season because if that was a loss, we would have had two losses on the trot and then you start thinking, is it going to go pear-shaped from here, from where we were pre-COVID, top of the log, probably going to win the Super super Rugby. Um, now we're here, all of a sudden we've had two losses. Yes, the one was pre-season game. What went wrong? Where are we going? You can't... At a professional era, we can't say we don't have the Sabun courses, we don't have the Fases, and so on and so forth. You need to do with what you've got. And we've got great players. Yes. I mean, there's Werner Koch. We, we, we spoke about him last week where yes. we said he missed tackles and whatever. I mean, he was good. 
on Friday night. That guy's work rate is unbelievable. Um, and, I mean, you know, we have players like that, so but there can't be any excuses. All the, all the teams have gone through COVID. All the teams had the same break. At the end of it, what the Sharks have done well over the last few months is we don't give up anymore. We play right until the end. And I think Sean Everett has brought back the self-belief that we need. We've got youngsters in our team, like, like yes. most provinces do, but, I mean, our youngsters... I mean, Sean they brought them through from under 19 coming through. I mean, if you look at the, the, the youngsters coming through, our wealth and our depth in Sharks rugby is phenomenal. So if we can get it right and, and Sean can install that self-belief no matter what, like the All Blacks do, I mean, the All Blacks can trail by 15 points and 10 minutes to go. They will back themselves to win. And I think if a coach can get that right and you install that self-belief, you will win ugly. Yeah, definitely. They just need to stick to what they're doing and it will come right. And and I think that's what they, they did this, this past weekend and to get the win eventually. So if they just stick to what they, they set out to do and, and like you say, Mark, and get that belief in the guys and and it will, it will, it will come right eventually. You know, what I, what I also think Sean's done well is that these players, I nearly said kids, so they were so young still, but that these players play with the freedom that he allows them to play. Previous coaches, without going into, into detail, previous coaches basically dictated as to this is how you need to do. Obviously, there's a game plan and everything. But the youngsters, you coach varsity in peace, you know what it's like. When I was there, same thing happened. This is your game plan. That 19-year-old sees something and he just changes it because that's natural instinct. That's how they play. Now you have Marnie Libok at fullback and Kluwen Bosch at 10, two great readers of the game, two great game players. Um, and that's part of what happened on some. I mean, the attacks that these guys, that, you know, the one takes the ball up, let's say it's Kluwen Bosch, next minute, Marnie Libok is at 10, he can play. Um, and then you look at all the players that you mentioned earlier that must still come back. Um, we will have one of the better backlines in, in South African rugby. Yeah, definitely. If you... If Look at how, like you mentioned, pre-COVID, where if they can get to that form, it's they're going to be difficult to to beat, you know, um, with all those guys coming back and and obviously the team getting. We must also forget Karen Van Furen is a big player in the in the right. in, in that front row, and yes. uh, he's he's, not, he's not he's not yeah. there at the moment. And you know, there's also Herco Fenter, the other the mm -hmm. other loose forward who's not yeah. who's also not there. Yeah. Um, so those are players that will add value or will add to the experience if we can to to get this team back to no, where they were uh, before. Uh, I mean, if you just look yeah. at the back line, our back three aren't here. I mean, Fassi is not available, and Pimpi is not here, and Gorsi is not here. Um, so, I, I mean, there are so many. I mean, those three guys would walk into any other team um, worldwide, not only in South Africa. Yeah. Then you look at what what we have in place of them, and they are also world-class, you know. So, But it starts, obviously, starts at 1 and it finishes at 15. But uh, it all bodes well for, for South African mm. rugby and Sharks specific. I think his challenge at the moment is that inside centre spot. So, that yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, <laughs> so we, we definitely, um, Andre Estes and brought something there. Um, we're missing him, and um, but uh, we, Jeremy Ward and... and um, Myra Slova also 
The difference, the difference though, mm. is Andre Estes is in left, his left boot. Um, we played it. We played quite a bit with him receiving from nine, kicking out, and that. So that specific game plan, if I can call it that, is now not there anymore. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, but these two bring something else to Definitely. The, they, yeah, they will bring something else yeah. to it. To the game, and, and they're still uh, young, both mm, of them. I'm exactly. sure they'll step mm. up to the plate. No, no, look, mm. they're quality players. So mm. all I'm saying is, we don't have the left boot of Andre Estesen in either of them. Um, yes. I don't. To be honest, you might know more, Don, seeing that you're part of the union, but we don't have in that setup a left-footed twelve. Yes, true. Yeah. You know, so mm. I mean, mm. and then also you have a look at Andre Estesen's physical power to take the ball up. Um, the Jeremy Wards and that they're more. Light footed stepping well, and yeah, whatever, yeah. where he mm. is a direct play. If mm. you know, with Andre Estes, and in theory, he would fix whoever's opposite him because they know if they slide slightly to the left or right, he's going to go straight. Whereas with them, you need to be open minded a little bit because they might dart past you. I'm sure Sean's got a plan for that one. Definitely. No, 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 definitely. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Castle Lager Championship. I see now that government has opened up the international travel. Sportsman, and it looks like the the Springboks will be taking part. I know they said that middle of next week will be D-Day as to whether we're going to go or not go, but the fixtures have been has been announced, and we are drafted in there, which is as follows: on the 31st of October, we see Australia versus New Zealand. On the 7th of November. Argentina against South Africa, Australia versus New Zealand again. Then on the 14th of November, we see New Zealand versus Argentina, then South Africa versus Australia. 21st of November, New Zealand versus South Africa, Australia versus Argentina. 28th of November, it's Argentina, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. On the 5th of December, Argentina versus New Zealand. Australia versus South Africa, and on the 12th of December, South Africa versus Argentina. Mark? Yes, yeah, so these fixtures obviously changed over the last week or so. Yes. And the reason for that was that New Zealand had a problem in getting back to New Zealand for their players due to COVID, so they would have had to go into, into quarantine for two weeks. That would have meant that they would have been in quarantine over Christmas period. So um, obviously there was a there was a debate around that and and it's changed and rightfully so I mean we yes. we want to try and accommodate all our, all the players worldwide to be with their loved ones so it's such a long year um, with regards to rugby although this year's obviously thrown on its head but ideally these players are all professional they get paid to do what they do um, if they need to play they need to play and it's revenue for the countries. Having said that, though, um, there's still the question mark whether whether South Africa will attend or not. Although yes. although it's been confirmed that we are playing, um, the feeling out there is still that that's a it's a fifty fifty. I think the drive the driving force behind it is the three hundred million rand that um, is at stake, and obviously there's yes. much needed funds that need to be that need to come in. There's many ways that you can have a look at it, whether South Africa should play or not. Obviously, the first, the first real question is whether we are physically right to go and play. I think mentally we'll always be right because we want to play rugby and we want to be there. Um, 
But if you think about it, a lot of players have only played maximum of three games now, including the green and gold game. So, um, and then we leave here. We have to leave by next weekend to be there in time. Yes. To go into two weeks of, of quarantine. Um, so, you know, Jake White was quite vocal in this to say that he doesn't believe we should go. And he's probably right. Um, you know, I've got, a, I've got another take on this. And the, the problem here is we're world champions. So you don't want to go and play and get beaten and then lose your world number one status because of that. Um, but we are, we are going to be preparing for the Lions Tour next year as well. So maybe, maybe, um, Rossi and them will take another stance to say we will take one, go and play in it. We're not too worried about, when I say that, I say that with respect because we are worried, but we're not too worried about our number one status. We will remain the world champions until the next World Cup. We're going to groom the youngsters like we did in the green yes. and gold. So we're not going to take a completely new side, but most of our top players we might rest. And, I mean, our locks is an issue as it is already, so we will take players there. And it is a possibility because if you look at what happened this last weekend in the Bledisloe Cup, I mean, New Zealand and Australia played with many new youngsters playing. Um, and I think there was a surprise or two as well. But now, as South Africans, we need to be realistic and say, if you look at that game at an international level, are we ready to go? Don, what do you say as a coach? But, um, if I was a coach, I wouldn't, to be honest. I, I don't think it's... If we're looking at are we prepared, are our players physically and um, ready to play test rugby, I don't think so. Um, and I wouldn't want to send a team that's weakened in a way. Um, you, you, you saw the intensity of that Bledis Cup game this weekend. If we have to play Australia or New Zealand with the weekend team, we would take a serious hiding. I know it wouldn't mean anything to us because we'll say yes we've got but we, all, we at the end of the day as, as long as you're wearing that springbok jersey you are representing the springbok mm -hmm. it will go in the records that we lost 70 or 60 to australia or new zealand yes. it will always hurt us you know in in our minds it's always going to be there that we we lost that much irrespective of who played it's going to be in the record so i don't think it's something that we we we, the, the, we we I don't think the Springboks should really participate in this. But there's more mm. to it than that, you know. Now we let's say we take a weekend side. So now we're grooming uh, any youngster. Take let's say let's say Sanelli or Amba makes it. So we're grooming him to take over from Faf and Yankees maybe or wherever we're going. So he's going to be part of the squad. Now we do lose, and that stigma stays with him. We know that we're good enough, but each player in its own merit will back himself to, to be world number one or whatever. I mean, if you if you had to speak to Sonele now, he would tell you that he would fight for a number nine spot ahead of Faf de Klerk, although he might rate him and he has respect for him and so on and so forth. Now you take a young, undercooked side to go and play top sides in the world. And we can say what we want to about Australian rugby over the last few years. Rennie has changed the mindsets. He's got these team focused. They want to prove a point. There's a lot of words being said between New Zealand and Australia at the moment. It's got nothing to do with us. Those youngsters have already stepped up to the plate. They've now played a first test. If you look at all the rugby that New Zealand and Australia have played over the last two months, three months, even longer maybe, we can't 
we don't even come close to that. So we are, yes, the, different, different strokes for different folks, if you want to say it like that. Rassi will have his plans, but I agree with what you're saying. I think it will cause more damage. I'm not even talking injuries and so forth, because I think that that is, a, is probably what's going to happen, and that's why we're going to take an extended squad, because you can't bring anyone in because of quarantine. Um, but I think it will cause more reputational damage to the Springboks than anything else. Yes, the, the, the one thing, Mark, we cannot ignore here is we, we had one of the toughest lockdowns in South Africa. These guys didn't were in, in limbo, if you want to put it, for, for seven months. No rugby, nothing. Yes. New Zealand only, New Zealand and Australia, I think they only stayed a month or, or two at the most, and they were back in action. Yes. So they've had all this time to to get to to you know uh, match fitness and and contact fitness yes. and you know for test rugby they've had so much of it and our guys are way way I mean you just have to look at our games that we're playing right now to see where we are I mean we are not where where we were pre pre COVID and to send guys to go and play against those other guys I, I think it's we we asking we asking too much really. Let's see what transpires in the next week. Yeah, it's interesting. We will, and, we and, will and who know. wants to be a Rassi Erasmus or a Yuri Ru or whoever that's going to make that decision now? Because Well, Jock Ninovas mentioned that he wants to go, that he would like to go and play with his site. No, I, I agree with you, but the, 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 they are, they are more, there's more to it than just that. I mean, no, as a coach, there, yes. Don, Don and I said, now we'd also like to go. But you need to look at the bigger picture and so on. 100%. And... and Poor Jock Ninova. I mean, he's a Springbok coach. He's been in, in charge of that for nearly a year now. Um, he hasn't done anything, uh, when I say that, uh, in, in playing and training and whatever. I mean, a lot of preparation has gone into this and that. But um, he also wants to get out in the park, and he also wants to, to stamp his authority down. Yes. But I think he himself wants to go, but he's also very cautious. Um, but uh, uh, to come back to what I said earlier, who wants to be a Rasi Erasmus or Yuri Ru or the decision makers? Because whether they go or not, they will always have those people that say they made the wrong decision, regardless of whether we're going or not. 100%. Let's keep an eye on this one for the next week and see what transpires. Then you guys mentioned the, the Bledisloe Cup, the game that was played between Australia and New Zealand. Don, your thoughts on that game? What an exciting game. Um, the the great part of it was that it carried on for another eight minutes at the end there. <laughs> yes. Both teams didn't didn't want to end up with a draw, they wanted they wanted a win. Yes. Um, um surprisingly there for me was that uh, um you can see their mentalities that none of them thought about a drop goal. We would have gone for a drop goal there definitely. Yes. If South Africa had been playing there, we would have won it with a drop goal definitely. <laughs> I think um, none of those teams looked at that option. Um, they, they, you can see the way their attitude toward, you know, towards the game, how they want to play it. They, they were looking for more to score a try or maybe a, a, a penalty kick that will win it. Um, but what an exciting game! I'm, 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 I'm glad. Uh, you know, I'm happy for Australia the way they've, you know, from where they've been and and yes. the way they. They are now that they've. Mark mentioned Devran is a is an astute coach. We we know he won two Super Rugby Championships with the Chiefs, and he looks like he's brought some steel and some 
into that Australian side. So they, they're going to be a force again because um, I think they were ranked number seven now in the, in, in the total overall rankings. So we'll see them climbing up into, into that top three or top four now. So Possible. South African proved it ourselves, you know, and look where we are within a year and a yes, half. Exactly. What, was, what was interesting, though, is you referred to drop kicks. Um, although you look at attitude towards teams to say, uh, we want to score tries and we want to play flashy rugby, Surely, at some stage, you need to look at winning a game and saying, whether it's All Blacks or, or New Zealand or South Africa for that matter, you're saying South Africa would probably have taken a drop kick, although Australia could have won the game in the dying seconds. Very difficult kick, um, hitting the upright. So it makes it very difficult. But you're right, South Africa would, in all probability, have gone for a, for a drop goal. New Zealand lost against us in New Zealand uh, the year before last, I think it was, um, and they were on the attack and they had how many opportunities to, to take a drop kick as well. Um, so it comes back to bite you the whole time, but surely as a professional outfit, as a coach, you will make a call on behalf of the players to say part of our game plan, if it's level, a few seconds to go and you can't breach the defence, surely you must have a crack. Yeah, well, it, it's... I think it's their mentality. It's they they like you said earlier. They believe they can win, you know, following their processes of scoring of scoring tries. Whether it's t it's 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 a minotaur. So you live by the sword, and that's basically. Right. Do you remember that Irish game they played? Um, I can't remember. Was it two years or, or three years ago where they scored in the last minute? The, the one that went through 13 passes and all that in Ireland were, were winning that game and they ran the ball from basically they are 22 and they ended up scoring. So that's their attitude that I don't think they'll deviate from from that. They 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 don't look at at winning a game you know the way we would. You know, I'm especially Mark if you consider the conditions of that what it looked like. It was it it was raining in that second mm -hmm. half I think it, it was wet. It was that, it that, was wet. Yeah, it was. Oh, nobody expected the weather exactly, that they got. That was the option to to be going to, I think. Yeah, but New Zealand, their mentality is is different. <laughs> then there's but, something else that stands out for me is Australia and New Zealand are playing each other now, and then going into the the championship, they're going to play the first two weeks. They're going to play against one another as well. So, how do you think that will affect their mentality, their preparation versus ours, where we go in only into the second week or we only start playing the second week of that championship and we're starting with a game against Argentina. Look, I think, I think it has its pros and cons. Um, part, of, part of the problem that we have, we, as it is, we haven't played enough. So then you go into quarantine when you get to Australia um, weeks that you're not going to play and I say this with respect to Argentina I would sooner play Argentina in the first game than play New Zealand or Australia um, with respect yes New Zealand and Australia on the other hand they have been playing for the last few months now already so they would have played each other in the Bledisloe Cup for them there's no difference they would get the tougher games if you want to call it that out and the end of championship would then be easier for them. Um, where we, 
haven't played. So I, if I was the coach and I had to look at the, the, the fixtures and that, I would also put my hand up to say I shouldn't play Argentina before I play New Zealand and Australia. Um, from a coaching point of view on New Zealand side, though, I think they, after this weekend that they played against Australia, we now need to rethink, although they're good enough, New Zealand have bounced back from things like this how many times in the past. So they will still back their systems. They, new staff, new players. But the history of the Silver Fern is just like that. They will not yes. die. So they will be back next weekend. And, and don't be surprised if they beat Australia comprehensively come, come next weekend. However... On Australia's side, again, because there's new coaching staff, similar to the Bulls, to what we said now, and they drew with, with New Zealand, they would be believing from the time they take the bus on Saturday morning to go and play that they will be able to beat New Zealand in New Zealand. So um, I think it, it sets it up quite well. But the championship, to come back to your original point, I don't think from a New Zealand and Australian point of view it will make a difference because they're in the system. They are the two countries that have played most rugby. I think we and, and um, Argentina are the ones that, that would probably battle that. Yeah, I think, uh, remember, this to them, to both those two sides, it's the Bledisloe Cup as well at stake. Um, yes. Yeah, New Zealand, have, I think they've won it in the last 18 years, and Australia is seeing an yes. opportunity to take it away from them now. So that's what they're fighting for, and it's over these four games. So now this first one being a draw, so this this one this weekend becomes very crucial, and then then those last two games are also become very important. And so it, if you had the interviews afterwards when the coaches spoke and they're saying now it's the best of three, what's left? So whoever wins those or who does yes. well, yeah. So that's and you that's, have to win too. So them. they've got a fight yeah. in. In, they've got a competition in a competition, basically, if you look yes. at it that yeah, way. They've, they've so there's it. a fight between them yeah, yeah. that's going on over that Bledisloe. And it's so much, it, it's a, it, it's, it's got a lot of history, that cup between them as well, you know. So it's something that they, they are fighting for. And I agree with Maka. I'll, I'll have Argentina first, and I'm sure they would rather have us first as well because we, we both haven't played much rugby, you know. I, though they are already in Australia, you know, they've been there for a week now or two. So they're basically coming, they'll be coming out of their quarantine when, by the time we get there. But you I, know, so they've also, been preparing, I, yeah. I also think, uh, to come back to South Africa now and playing in the championship, um, there's there's obviously different thinking behind this and, and how we'll go about it. But um, in, our, in our time that we're in quarantine, Rassi would, and, and Jacques obviously would do a lot of drills with, making contact to try and simulate the game. But it's not the same. I mean, if you look at the game weekend that passed now, the high intensity that they play at continuously, um, over 80, 80 minutes and so forth, it, it, makes, a, it makes a big difference in, into, into what you're trying to achieve. I also think, though, that if you look at Australia and New Zealand, and I say this is with respect to South Africa, they're not cared whether they play us or not as the world champions. Normally you would have that world champion status attached and everyone wants to beat the world champions. New Zealand and Australia, their main focus is the Bledisloe Cup. For them, in this tournament, will mean more to take that trophy than anything else. Where South Africa will go into it thinking we are the world champions. Oh. We need to step up. That we have to beat Australia, New Zealand and Argentina. 
Argentina have absolutely nothing to lose because they're also rebuilding. And they're going to say, well, listen, New Zealand and Australia are probably very difficult to beat. South Africa is undercooked. Those are the guys that we're going to target. And obviously, we, d we don't want to lose to anyone, let alone Argentina. Argentina, yes. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate. Donald, thanks for joining us again. Thank you very much for sharing all your, your thoughts with us and your vast rugby knowledge. It's a pleasure, guys. Don, thanks a lot. Um, we'll definitely miss you in studio. Oh, we still got you next weekend, by the way. So next week, so you can't run away. Uh, obviously, next week we tackle fullback position. Yes. Um, and we'll have a little bit of a chat on that. Thank you, Mark. And then just before we greet, Mark has an announcement to make. Thanks, Gus. Chat Sapphire Radio is now on Patreon, a crowdfunding platform for creators. If you enjoy our content and believe in our work to promote Sapphire Coast as a tourism destination, to promote our sports and leisure activities and community initiatives, Consider subscribing to help Chat Sapphire Studio Online. As little as five US dollars in our chat box will help us to keep the lights on and touchline going. You can find the Patreon link in the link tree on the Chat Sapphire Instagram page and website homepage. Thank you for joining Touchline on Chat Sapphire. From myself, Kasper Els and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.